Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. All right, why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? All right, you may have a seat. God bless you. Uh, welcome home if you're here for the first time. Uh, just say to you, welcome home. I know it's it's a different uh, feel if you've been to clubs or you've been to parties. It's a different kind of party. And uh, But I got to tell you this, honestly, um, I've been to all three and this one's way better. Uh, I've, you don't have the headache the next day. You don't have the empty feeling afterwards uh, if you think you won, you know. Uh, I remember very clearly the time where I decided one day, you know, that I would not go where I was supposed to go and I ended up going to some service. I went by myself actually. It was a Thursday night and we used to go to the boogie and <laughs> so bad. The boogie. And I remember just saying, you know, you know what, tonight I want something different. And uh, and it, it began something inside of me and it was a completely different crowd. I didn't know anybody there. And I just thought, man, this is it's so different, but I know it's what I need. It's not necessarily you know, what I thought I needed, but I know I need it. Um, the reason I tell you guys this is because God has you here for a specific reason. It's not just because you had enough gas money or one of your friends, for your friends bugged you enough. God has a purpose for your life. He has an incredible plan. And I don't know where you're from. I don't know what you've been, uh, what you've been through or what's been done to you. All I know is that God loves you. And he really, really does. And, of course, that sounds weird for someone that never really has, how do I tell you this, has, a, has ever had a relationship with God. As a matter of fact, I thought, man, how am I supposed to have a relationship with God if I can't see him? It was the weirdest thing. I studied psychology. That's my degree. And I just never thought, you know, I was very pragmatic, super like I'm going to see to believe. And uh, man, God did, man, did God show me a lot, uh, so much. Uh, but one of the first things that I realized is that I needed him. I really did need God. It wasn't because I was broke. It wasn't because my girlfriend had dumped me. It wasn't because, you know, I wasn't drugs or anything like that. It's because I read a quote. And that quote really led me to change some things in my heart. And it says, the problem with a self-made man is that he ends up worshiping his creator. The problem with a self-made man is that he ends up worshiping his creator. And I started asking myself three simple questions. Who am I? Where do I come from? And where am I going? Right? Meaning this, like, if I really want to know who I am, I must know where I come from, right? I don't know where I'm going, and at the end of the day, that pretty much describes who I am. I want to ask you a very simple question, and, and the question is this, who is the Lord of your life? Oh, no, I don't have a Lord of your life, then that means that's you. Who is the Lord of your life? <laughs> All right, so Jared has the Lord in his life, but I'm not asking you to shout it out either, but I'm just asking you, who is the Lord of your life? If at that point in university I could... I could tell you, I was definitely the Lord of my life. I decided what was good, what was not good. I decided how to live, how to make mistakes. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? The problem with that is this, is that your life is not forever. Your life has a limit. It has an end. It has an expiration date. Not only that, everything you do here, in the words of Maximus Decimus Aurelius Gladiator, right? It echoes, it echoes onto eternity. And unless you believe that, then no, you don't need God. If you think you're just a light switch that's going to be turned off and energy just gets dissipated and recycled somewhere else, then yeah, you definitely don't need a Savior. If you think you're righteous and you're in it of yourself enough, then you don't need a Savior. If you really think that the end of it all is you and your choices, then you don't need a Christ. 
Nobody wears a parachute unless they're falling from the skies. And I'm telling you this, it is dumb to chase after God unless you actually know one simple thing. And that is this, that he actually does love you and has a plan for your life. And my God, I'm telling you this, he's more real than the air that you and I breathe. I'm telling you this because not only have we had incredible, spiritual, wonderful experiences that have translated onto the physical, but the brokenness of life, man, how jacked up, how broken life can be without God. I ask myself, how can anyone in this world, once you tried God, ever go back? Now, I'm not saying that you've never really had a relationship with God. It's because you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're evil. None whatsoever. It just means you haven't perhaps have asked certain questions that needed to be answered. Or if you did, you asked them very lazily. Maybe you ask a question, but you don't really care that much about the answer. Sometimes as fathers, we do that and we should never. We ask our sons questions. So how was school? And in reality, you're thinking about work. Or maybe you ask your girlfriend or your wife, so how are you? And you already have like something else. Oh man, what was the score of that? You know, and in reality, you got to ask some serious questions and ask those serious answers and say, okay, how do I go out? How do I get to the end of this answer? And I believe that if you chase enough, if you really do look for those answers, you'll arrive at a beautiful place. I want to give you a simple story of this guy. He was a rich, young ruler. I'm going to add good looking because I know you want to relate to the story. So the rich, young ruler. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm going to read it to you, then I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to jump right into it. And here we go. Close your eyes. Actually, let me read it first. Mark chapter 10, 17. Mark chapter 10, 17. You guys all right? You guys good? All right. Tell the person next to you, this is for you. Now the other person, this is for you. All right. Cool, cool. Seriously. Now, even if they get mad, all right? Okay. You came tonight to Formation Friday, so this is where we get real. And it's not, it's not like, in you know, anyway. So anyway, so it's not a pep talk. So Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. And he looked around. He's like, because you are. Nah. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not, da, da, da. You shall not, you shall not, right? Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And there was like, ah. <laughs> right, all right, Mr. Goody Tissue. Anyway, so uh, teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him like, oh, you're cute. No, I was kidding. No. no, he looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. I think when he said that, one thing you lack, the guy's like, yeah, boy, one more thing. Just one more thing. I've done all these rules and regulations. I've lived out religion. I don't know if you need one more thing. That sounds like I'm pretty much almost there, right? And he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. Check this out. This is the scariest part of the entire Bible. I don't care what you read. This is the scariest part. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Close your eyes. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love and for your grace. I thank you because you're after us, not after our things. I ask you, Lord, that you just speak and that you do something in every person's heart tonight. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So the scariest part of this story is not as we would think of scary. I mean, we've seen some scary things. If you don't believe in many things, I'm going to tell you, you'd be freaked out of the things I could tell you right now. Uh, I've seen many, 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 many crazy things from people getting shot in front of me, like emptied clip. 
you know, we've seen people dying. We've seen people with some horrible diseases. Uh, we've seen people skin off their whole arm. It's crazy stuff. And that's not as scary as what I read right here. Um, I've been attacked by pit bulls. <laughs> and that's not as scary as this. The scariest part of the entire Bible is this story. Not the demoniac, right? The Ganesha, the guy that's demon possessed, like, my name is Legion. None of that stuff is scarier than this. Why is this so scary? Because this guy came up to Christ asking for eternal life. He had it all figured out. According to his view, he was there. When Jesus asked him for one more thing, he said, all you lack is one thing. And he said, what's, one, what's the one thing? He said, go sell everything you got and follow me. He says, go sell everything you have and follow me. Of course, we're not going to ask. You know, the offering plate already passed. Don't worry about it. Don't get nervous, right? And Jesus simply says to him, hey, sell everything you got and build treasures in heaven and follow me. And the Bible says that this guy got so sad. Why did he get sad? Well, unravel that a little bit more. And he says that he walked away from Jesus. Now, the scariest part is this, that Jesus didn't turn around and say, well, hold, hold on a second, hold on. Let's do 30%. No, 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 all right, you're at 50. We're, you know, you're in a process. He didn't start begging him. He didn't start saying, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Never mind. You know what? You're so cool. You got position. You got status. I can use you in my church. Jesus didn't say that. He just sipped it. The disciples were amazed. The Bible says in the next verses, the disciples were amazed at these words, verse 24. But Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? If it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And some of you broke folk may say, hey, God bless that. I'm all right. I'm in the kingdom of God. But the truth is this. God's never talking about money. He's never talking about finances. When we look at the story, we very quickly think, oh, yeah, he wants my stuff. He doesn't want your stuff. Why would he want your stuff? If he wants your stuff, then he's not God. If he needs your stuff, then that's not a God you want to follow. Does that make sense? God is the creator of all. Why in the world would you take sand to the beach? Does that make sense? So God is simply asking this guy for something different. He's asking him for his values. He's asking him to wonder and ask and answer, is it worth it? Is he a lunatic? Is he a liar? Or is he a Lord? For some people, he's a lunatic. For some others, he's a liar. For, the, for some others, he's the Lord. Now, the reason I'm, I sound so confronting is because at the end of the day, today, seriously, literally, you're going to go eat tacos, you're going to eat quesadillas, if you're on the keto, just some meat and some all that stuff, right? But at the end of the day, you go home. I go home. I go back to my kids. My wife's in San Diego, so I wait for her to come back. Am I making sense? You, you go your own way. That's fine. That's not going to subtract anything from me. But the truth is this. One day you will have to face and according to your belief, or my belief, as different as they may be, 50% of tonight's opinion will tell you, you have to face Jesus Christ. You have to face God. And the way you will answer matters so much. I'm not just telling you this because I read it in the scripture. I'm telling you this because I experience it daily. The question is this, who is my Lord? Who is my Savior? Who is the one that I choose to follow? Is it the government? Is it the norms of my society? Is it my own personal opinion that I built over my wise life of 38 years? What is the Lord of your life? Who is the standard? What's the canon? What is it that tells you, hey, that's the north, that's the south, that's the east, that's the west. And at the end of my days, this is where I'll end. 
Because the good guy, this guy was a, seemed like a great guy. This guy had followed every commandment since he was a boy. Now either he was a big liar or he really was that good. My tendency is to believe that he really was that good. This is why the disciples were like, oh, heck no. Are you serious? It says that they were amazed that Jesus told them this. They were amazed. If he was like a liar, they'd be like, yeah, that's expected. But he was amazed that Jesus told them, it's hard for you to come into the kingdom of God. Why did he say that? Because he had checked all the dots, right? He had said, check, 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 church, religion, right? Giving, all these things I've done. And God's like, hey, you can lack one more thing, your heart. You could have everything else. You can be perfect. You can give to the poor. You can do everything else, but it's your heart. I think this man had already given, and probably more than most of us. Why do I say that? Because he was a pious man. He was a man who knew the scripture. But I know people that know the scripture that do not know the Lord. You could know all the book you want, but still not the one who wrote it. I can say this to you genuinely, seriously. You can say you know Donald Trump, but you don't know Trump. I don't know Trump. None of us know really. I mean, maybe some of you guys might. But I don't know him. I know about him. All the dumb things he says on Instagram, all the tweets that he has, all the quotes, all the expressions. You know, I, I, I know about the guy, but I don't really know him. Am I making sense? I don't have a relationship with him. Do you know God? What God is really asking this guy, he's not asking him to go and give to the poor. He's asking him, are you willing to value me more than your current set of values? Is this something that you're willing to trade? And if you're not, God is not begging as he won't beg you tonight. I'm not going to beg you tonight. The Lord knows I don't earn anything else if you give your life to Jesus. I don't care how argumented you are. You know that's true. What God is simply asking is this, am I valuable enough? Christ is not after, I repeat this, your things. He wants your heart. And you say, well, that's what's wrong. No, it's, that's what's right. When I'm after someone's heart, everything else, everything else is an add-on. Everything else is a blessing. Let me put it like this. If I was after some girl's money, tell me, girls, I'm just saying, well, let's just not use me because then that's just weird and I'm married. Let's just use Marcos. He's single. <laughs> just kidding. No, no, no. If you're after some girl's money, what do you call it? Gold? What? A gold digger, right? We did a whole gold digger sermon, right, about gold digging. So, so uh, jiggle or whatever you want to call you, right, right? But you're after some girl's money, that's a gold digger. Girls, how many of you guys want a gold digger in your life? Oh, sure? What if he's good looking? No, what if he's young and hot and has a nice beard? No? Okay, what do you call a man that's after a girl's heart? <laughs> right? A conqueror. Right? Oh, my goodness. How many girls want a guy that would be after your heart? Don't lie. Oh, the rest of you guys want to stay single? You want a gold digger? Well, what do you want a guy that's after your hot body that's going to get old in about 30 years, start sagging, get big? What do you want a guy after? I mean it, genuinely. All right, all right, all right. I know, I know, I know. I'm not good at this romantic stuff. But when someone's after your gold, whatever little or much you may have, by the way, Gold is not just gold. It's these physical things, right? These attributes. Gold may not be like the, the bling bling. Gold may be a trophy wife, right? Or a girl that looks just hot and you could show her off. And you want her for that. 
and you want her judge. A husband just said his wife's name. That's funny. All right. But then, but then listen. Okay, that's cute. That's good. But further down the road, what you're really after is the person's just the depth of who they are. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying you got to go out, you know, just whoever is just ugly only as long as they like your heart. I mean, you got to like them. You got to at least be attracted to them. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't just peel them, you know, there's something inside, but there's got to be something outside too. But when, you are, when you're after someone's now, some people really think of God as a gold digger. They're like, God, you are just a gold digger, man. You want me for my, my talent, for my gifts. You're after, you're trying to take something from me. I remember I used to have that argument why they didn't want to chase God. You just want me in church. You just want me to not live a life and not have my dreams. And, and one day I was like, man, that's so stupid. There's no other way to use sir, about the word in, in church, but it really is stupid to think that God is after something you can offer. That's ridiculous. What can you offer God that God doesn't have a thousand times more? We think of God as a gold digger. And so this guy, he's like, nah, man, okay, God, okay, I'll, I'll give you all these rules, regulations. I'll make myself feel good through, relig through religion. Just don't ask me for that which I value. And if you know, if you're honest with yourself, what, really, what, what is it that makes you say no to God? And I'm not saying today, tonight, maybe you, you've said yes to God. I'm talking about in those moments when you're about to do something crazy and you become a five-minute atheist or a six-minute atheist or a ten-second atheist. What about those moments where you say, no, 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 okay, this is better than that. This here is better than that. Okay, check this out. I just started doing keto like five days ago. And I know, I, you don't need it. Yeah, I do. I'm trying to cut down and wait because I have a fight coming up, right? I have this tournament that I want to, I don't want to fight big guys. Besides, there's like, like this guy, he's like a pro fighter. He's got a bunch of fights and he's won them all by submission and he's going and fighting as a white belt. And I'm like, I don't want to fight against that guy. I want to fight against the little guys. So I'm not that dumb. I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to cut down and wait. I'm going to fight at 150 instead of 168. Why? Because if I do that, I have a better chance. Does that make sense? So I'm looking for the best way to lose weight. Now, I don't want to do the water weight. None of you guys don't even know what I'm talking about. But, okay, losing water weight means you just drain all your body out of liquids, and then you come into the fight all super weak because the weighings are the same day. May not make sense to some of you guys, but I'm going somewhere, I promise. So I'm thinking, okay, I got I to gotta, I gotta get 10 pounds off of me in about two weeks, three weeks. And so I got my coach back there, JC, and current nanny. Thank you so much, Jay. So, so JC and, and Frank, they're both like my keto coaches, right? And so, you know, they're telling me what to eat, what not to eat. And I'm looking at, look, yesterday, you're not going to believe me, man. Yesterday, one of my favorite meals was cooked. I was invited to actually Frank's house out of all people that know that I'm doing keto. And I get invited and I see these tostadas made out of tinga. Boy, if you've never tried tinga, you have not lived they have sour cream on top, and they have cheese and shredded lettuce. And, and she puts mayo on the, on the tostada, which is my favorite thing in the world. Right after my wife and children and God, of course. Right? There's this tostada, there's mayo, there's this shredded chicken with all kinds of juice on it. And I go into this house, and I'm looking, and I'm like, my stomach started going nuts. My, this thing started sal I was like Pavlov's dog salivating. And I'm, like, I'm looking at Alba, I'm like, really, Alvis? She, could, she made it all there for me. And then I was, I, I was about to eat, and she's like, oh, no, it has tomato. And I was like, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. And she's like, you cannot eat tomato. I was like, I cannot eat tomato. This is all tomato. It's like tomato sauce. And she just looks at me, and she's like, I'm sorry, pastor. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you have no idea what you're putting me through. And I'm looking at this tostada, you know, and I'm thinking, all right, is it worth it? 
Is it worth it? Because once you enter into the state of ketosis, whatever, if you guys know about keto, you have to enter the state of ketosis where your body starts eating away your fat. But if you throw some carbohydrates or some sugars in it, it's done. You got to reset. You got to start over. Right, coach? That's how it happens. So you cannot cheat. Yeah, and I, at that moment, I'm not, I'm not playing. I was looking at this. I was like, pro fighter, MMA, or 150-pound guys. I was like, hey, maybe I could take the guy. And if I don't, at least I lose to a pro fighter. I'm not going to lose some small. At least I get to say, hey, guys, I, I, I fought that guy. And I started wondering, is it really worth it? Like, is thing guy worth it? And I'm not playing. I was really considering it. I was like, ah, I, could pro- I mean, I could probably lose it without keto. Maybe I could put in the water really quick. And then I was like, no, stop. Rich young ruler, walk away. You know, I, I realized exactly, exactly what happens in a walk with Christ. We're here. We're like, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I love you. And then all of a sudden, something comes along and you're like, mm, tinga. And you're like, mm, is it really worth it? I mean, it's salvation. I mean, is he even real? Is it really a God? I mean, if there's like, you get all apologetic, super smart guy, right? Like if all your life you've been like Stephen Hawking's. And you're like, yeah, you know, you know, with the stars and the moon. And what about the evidence? It's not about evidence. It's about obedience. It's about your heart. It has nothing to do with evidence. The evidence is there. Listen, 200 years after Christ's death, no one questioned him. Because there was more eyewitnesses, more written about him than Abraham Lincoln. I've said to you many times. If you want evidence, it's there. The other day I was talking to my friend. He's a Muslim. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's not. He's like, yeah, you know, we actually have Jesus Christ more in our Quran than even Muhammad. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, yeah, he's written more times in the Quran. And he's so respected, so honored. So they don't deny his existence. They don't deny that he walked. The question I'm asking you right here, right now, is what do you do with Jesus? I mean, you can do whatever you want with the church because the church is jacked up, filled with people that are jacked up. Mm-hmm, right? Church is different. Across the world, it's so different. Now, I wish I could tell you the church is a pure representation of Jesus Christ, his bride. We fail. We mess up sometimes. I understand throw that out. That's fine. Throw away religion. That's fine too. Organized religion. I don't like organized religion. Fine. Okay. I keep telling people we're not that organized. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Organized religion. That's fine. Okay. What about that people and those people? At the end of the day, when you stand in front of the maker, he's not going to ask you, so what would you do with church? So what would you do with your aunt that was religious and said amen, hallelujah all the time? What would you do with that guy with a Christian t-shirt? Or what would you do with the guy with a bumper sticker? He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus Christ who died at the cross for you? And that question will matter more than you ever could imagine. Why do I say this to you? Because that question is asked over and over and over again in my own personal life as a father. As a husband. Man, as a pastor, as a friend. Where do I put Christ? Back in the day when I was in high school, ooh, a long time ago, we used to have these little bracelets called WWJD. Anybody know what that is? Well, what would Jesus do, right? And, we, and I'm not playing. It became this fad. It's like people would wear it. They wouldn't even know what it was. It was all over the place. WWJD. We should bring it back. You know? And, uh, and it was just everyone. And I would ask, seriously. And it really helped me out. Actually, it helped me out a lot. What would Jesus actually do? Now, you don't have to be a... A perfect person to simply know Christ. Christ is enough. For me, Christ is more than enough. I've, uh, I've come to one simple conclusion, and that is that when he says that it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, he's not talking about dollars or gold. He's talking about something different. Some people feel like they're so rich that they don't need anyone or anything else. The pride of life. 
I'm so rich, I don't need you. No, I'm rich in love, I don't need love. I'm rich in friendships, I'm rich in intelligence, I'm rich in knowledge, I'm rich in status, I'm rich in health. What about when you're not? Let me ask you, what if you're not? What if you're not as rich as you think you are? When you talk to, I was talking to this old man yesterday, he was cutting fruit, you know, I was trying to get at least hickam or something in my system, you know, and, uh, and he was talking about how when he was young, time would seem like it was forever. And now that he's old, he's like, time flies so fast, I can't stop it. I was like, why do you think that is? He's like, because now I realize I don't have that much left. He's an old man, right? He's spilling some wisdom, like, while he's cutting the fruit. And I'm here listening to him. He said, yeah, you know, I think I only have maybe 20, 15 years left in me. And I was thinking, good grief. Yeah, time flies. What if you're not that rich? What if in relationships, your relationships are not as deep as you think they are? Because sometimes we think we got a bunch of friends. See, I had a bunch of party buddies. A grip of party buddies. I'm telling you, we could just hang out. It was 20, 25 deep every time. We played football together, Mikey and I. We knew. There was a, if we wanted to hang out, we wanted to hang out. We could hang out with anyone at that time. Right? As far as, as girls and relationships, you could say boo. But I had enough girlfriends and friends. Now I'm married to a beautiful wife who is amazing and incredible. But, 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 even then when you're married, sometimes your relationship is not all that you think it's going to be. At least not always. Sometimes it's rough, super rough. What if I tell you you're not as rich in relationships as you think you are? What about finances? I remember when I had my first, when I earned my very first check, when I tithe, listen, I got to tithe $5,000. So how much did I make that month? 50 grand. I was like, hey, that's pretty good. I was only 20, I think it was about 25, 26 years old. Eh, yeah, about 20, 2017, 2007. I was thinking, man, 50 grand for a young guy, that's not bad in one month. But let me tell you this. What if you're not as rich as you think you are? I remember signing that first check for a sports car. Buy just a check like that. Boom. What if I tell you this? You're not as rich as you think you are. Economy shifted. Economy changed. 2009 came. The second Great Depression. Some people were literally jumping off buildings. They had a hotline for businessmen and women. What if I ask you this? What if you're not as rich as you think you are in health? Everyone in here is one phone call away from being on their knees. You think I'm playing. I've seen it many times. I had to come to many people's aids. And I pray that one day when I call, someone will also be able to remind me of these words. What if you're not as rich as you think you are? What if you think you are eternal? And by the way, you are. All of you, all of us here are eternal. The question is, what do you do with that eternity? Because the word of God tells this guy, go sell everything and be rich unto eternity. What if you're broke unto eternity? He says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and, and you will have treasures in heaven. Is it because he gave it to the poor or because he sold everything he had and gave it? Because it's not about how many you can bless. It's about are you willing to give? Otherwise, it's so unfair, isn't it? That means that that guy can give so much more. If you earn 50 bucks an hour, you can give more. And you'll be richer in heaven than the guy who only earns 13 bucks an hour. Maybe because he doesn't have documents. See, Christ is not talking about the amount. He's talking about the willingness to say, I'm willing to be a blessing, to give. Why? So I could feel good? He had already done that. Because Christ is enough. Because he satisfies. I'm going to repeat one more time. And I pray that you please listen. And if you think I have an angle, I'm trying to get something from you. I remind you this. 
You go back to your home. I go back to mine. The reason I share this is not because we can't do anything else, but because it's the most wonderful thing I can tell you tonight. God loves you so much. He's not after your things. He's after your heart. He wants a relationship with you. So when my business fell down in 2009, can I tell you this? I didn't. When it crumbled, I didn't. Because my foundation was not in economy or finances. Because a few months prior to that, God had already been speaking to me. Now I'm not going to tell you it was super easy afterwards. We had to sell things that we had in order to eat. We had to give back gift cards to Costco and eat our vacuum pretty much in ravioli form. For two months, I remember we took a two-month honeymoon with my wife. We came back. There was nothing there. And I'm so glad I didn't marry a gold digger because my wife also had the heart of God. And she's like, we're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I felt like, what do you tell me? I just got married. We, I thought I was going to come back to this awesome business thing. And now I can't even get a job. And she said, don't worry about it. It's okay. And just to hear that, listen, it showed me something so beautiful. When you have nothing to give, God is still madly in love with you. When you have everything, he loves you. When you have nothing, he loves you. You say, how could you say that? Because your worth is not in finances. Your worth is not in your health. Your worth is not in your popularity. Your worth is not in how many likes you've got. Your worth is on Christ. How much are you worth? One crucified Christ. How much are you worth? As much as a person is willing to pay for it. I have two cars. Two, I have a couple cars, but... Two old cars that I call them classics. Some people call them pieces of crap. I call them classics. These are, <laughs> I went up to a guy today. He had an incredible man, 64. It was a beautiful, beautiful Impala. It was like mint condition, all from its original state. I was like, did you keep this in a bubble? It was beautiful. I could hear it. I, got, I, I had the kids in the car. I left the car running. I feel like a bad father now. And I went and started talking to the guy. Man, this is that. And he's like, yeah, it's amazing. And I started talking about my cars. And I, then... And then listen to this. We had the value of old cars. We're like talking about it. We're like, yeah. Ah, you know, what is that? 383. Oh, it's so beautiful. You know, what, what kind of barrel, what kind of carburetor do you have? And we started talking about all these things. What if I started talking to some of you guys about a 1971 Plymouth Fury? Kind of black. <laughs> with some rust in it and old everything. You're going to be like, nah, man, that's garbage. You know, I try to sell it. And one time I put it at $10,000, right? $10,000. You know how many offers I got? You know how much I paid for it? $2,000. Now, I put in a lot of work into this car. So much work into it. I put in nights, suffering, you know, sacrifice. My family didn't need ads getting out. No, no. I put in a lot of work into this car. So I value this car so much. Because I'm trying to sell my emotions here, you know? I value this car. This is, this is, this is the fury. It's the fury. It's part of this church's history. You know, like it's the fury. And, uh, and if you know me, you know the fury. And the fury and I are one. No, I love this car, right? And I, but the truth is, is I can't sell it for more than five grand now. I got a few interest people and this and that. I'm like, they were supposed to come and pick it up, but they never picked it up. You're wondering why I'm trying to sell the fury because I love my wife. That's why I'm trying to sell the fury, right? So I'm trying to figure this out. Like, how do I sell this car? It needs, it needs to have either a story or something. I can't sell this car. Nobody else values it like I do. You know why? Do you know why? Because nobody put in the work that I did into it. No one got their hands dirty on it. No one literally started reforming the car. Did you know that God is so involved in your life? 
He's put in so much work before you even found out that he existed. The Bible says that he formed you in your mother's womb. That before you were born, he knew you. And you're thinking, no, he yes, he knows you. And he still likes you. Imagine that. Even though you don't, he loves you. He put in so much work into you. You say, why does he? Because he's so invested into you. If you were the only person on this earth, Christ would have died for you still. Matter of fact, the Bible says that while you were yet sinners, meaning while you were all about you, he was still dying for you. Let me come back full circle. I'm done, I promise you. So Christ loves you. God is invested into you. He's so invested into you. But what if, like the rich young ruler, you still decide to walk away? What will God do? And that, like I said, that's the scariest part. Because God, even though he loves you, he's not like a low self-esteem ex-boyfriend. Or like a low self-esteem ex-girlfriend that's going to go beg you. And please, please, please come back. I'll change everything. I'll change it. You don't have to do anything. I'll just come back. I'll do anything you want. Some of you guys are like elbowing each other like, snap. We're talking about you, bro. Hey, God is not doing that. The Lord is the Lord. You don't give him chances. How many chances do you think you got to You don't give him chances. He gives you the chance. And if you don't take it, I hope, I pray that you listen. If you don't take it, he's not going to fall apart. He's going to be like, oh, no, he's not worshiping me. I'm melting. What kind of cartoons do you watch? It doesn't work that way. He's the creator, the Lord of all. Now, you can still believe in the Big Bang, but the one who banged it is him. You can believe in so many things. Listen, I'm not playing. When you come to the end of the days, at that moment, You can genuinely say, hey, if I'm wrong, by the way, you'll get to the end of it and still, by the way, have a pretty good life. I mean, you, you loved people. You, you had certain standards that kept you away from at least drugs. You were faithful because Christ was faithful. You were kind because Christ was kind. You were giving and people love giving people. I'm not talking about finance. I'm talking about giving time, giving kind words, giving affirmation, giving your time to your family. I'm talking about simple, beautiful sets of standards. Mahatma Gandhi said, I would have become a Christian if I would have met one. Understanding that he was fighting a Christian nation. Does that make sense? Now, if you do get at the end of the day, at least you got that. But if I'm right, and you get at the end of your days, and you live the life that's good and amazing, but without Christ, and you stand in front of him, And you're going to say, but this is all I did. Look at the works. Look at, hey, I, I, I honored my mom. I honored my dad. I didn't murder. I didn't commit adultery. I didn't steal. I didn't give false witnesses. I didn't defraud. And God will say, what did you do with Christ? And at that moment, you're going to have this moment that I pray, I really, really do. That you really search after that answer. And you may not find it tonight. You may not answer it tonight. But you do have to answer it at some point. What do you do with Christ? What did you do with him? And according to that answer, it's not according to your works. The Lord will say, come into my presence, good and faithful servant. Or he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. And that is the most definite scary thing I see in this part. This is why the disciples were amazed. They're like, what are you doing? That guy's awesome. Take Judas out. That guy's awesome. Hey, even Peter, man, this, that guy's awesome. Peter, like, says bad words and is nuts and he doesn't listen. <laughs> he makes all kinds of weird mistakes. But this guy is rich. He's young. He's a ruler. He knows the word. He follows it. And God's like, I don't care. 
I ten times rather have a cussing, mistake-making, weird guy that is willing than some rich young ruler who's religious and poised and incredible to the eyes of others because God sees the heart, not the outside appearance. And this is why the Bible says that he loved him. Even though he was rejecting him, he was still loving him. He was still loving him. He loved him. You know, he loves you even if you don't. He cares about you. He cares for you even if you don't. Some of you here should be dead. You should not be alive. There's no reason why you should be here. But he has you here because he cares, because he loves you. Like I said, man, you don't have to join this church. I pray that you do. It's a beautiful place with amazing people. But it's not about church. It really isn't about church. It's about Christ, all about Christ. So what do you do with Christ? Why do you stand up with me for a second? There's something I wrote here and I want to read it to you. As... He wanted heaven, but he didn't want Jesus. He wanted his death and sacrifice, but he didn't want his life. I find that a lot of us, we want the death of Christ, but we don't want his life. We want his sacrifice, we just don't want to die to the temporary, to gain the eternal. For this keto thing that I'm in, I'm like, man, it's worth it right now, it's worth it. And I keep reminding myself, hey, when game time comes, I'll have the upper hand. When game time comes, I hope I'm not getting choked out and arm broke, right? I really hope at that moment that everything that I did and didn't do makes sense. I'm just talking about some dumb diet and some honestly at the end of the day it's just some tournament but what if I'm talking about something far more serious than a goofy jiu-jitsu tournament or a keto diet what if I'm talking about eternity eternal life the way you live the rest of eternity you are eternal whether you spend it in heaven or in hell and this is something we don't preach anymore because people don't like to hear about hell what if hell is not the way we think in the cartoons and the movies what if hell is separation from God what if hell is just simply a lack of love loneliness sadness perpetual regret fear what if hell is something that is unending and you wish you could end it and you wish you could stop it but it just simply won't go away would it be not foolish to say God what if I give you me and see what do you do with it He's done so many beautiful things. I'm not saying the person next to you is perfect, but God is doing a great work in him. He began it and he will be faithful to complete it. That's what the word of God says. We all are a work in progress, aren't we? I'm just so glad, so glad that my God doesn't get discouraged by my nose. Today he loves you. And if you walk away from him, he will still love you. If you walk towards him, he will still love you. Because his love for you does not depend on your actions. It depends on Him. He is love. He is love. He loves you. He cannot stop being Himself. But just because He loves you, it does not mean that you value it. So close your eyes for a second, please. This is completely personal. This reason I ask you to close your eyes is not because you, you're religious all of a sudden, but because this has nothing to do with the person around you or in front of you. Out of respect to God or even just to the person next to you thinking you're looking at Him. Close your eyes for a second. And 
Psychology, we call it introspection. I would just call it, stop looking. <laughs> this rich young ruler believed in Jesus. He just didn't believe Jesus was better. He didn't think he was worth it. He wasn't worth the chase. You know, you can miss some great opportunities in your life because you're not chasing hard. Or maybe because of the opportunities, of the opinions of others. With your eyes closed, I want you to think about this simple story. It's a true story. In 1889, this man named Eiffel, Alexander Eiffel, he was condemned for the building of the Eiffel Tower. The writer of the Three Musketeers, Alexander Dumas said, we the writers, painters, sculptors, architects, and lovers of the beauty of Paris, do protest with all our vigor and all our indignation in the name of French taste and endanger French art and history against this useless and monstrous Eiffel Tower. Well, the Eiffel Tower and Mr. Alexander Eiffel was vindicated. Today, he's praised. His story shows us that what matters is not the opinions of others, but the convictions, the true belief. When a man chooses to believe, doesn't matter what everybody else says. Opinions change, guys. Community changes. Governments change. But his word will never change. Sometimes we don't want to follow God because the opinions and people around us, our society, I get it. It's not easy. Dear God, I thank you for the men and women that are here today. I just ask you, Lord, that as they come to you, that they can feel your love and your grace over their lives. That in spite of the rejections, in spite of the no's, you still love them. I pray, God, that if anybody here wants to give you their heart, maybe they still don't know how they're going to do everything else, but they just want to tell you, Lord, I want to. I want to step towards you. Help me the rest of the way. Please help. If there's someone here that is willing to say, God, I will look. I will find out. I will figure it out. I will chase. I'll answer the questions. God, if there's someone here that wants to give you their lives, their hearts, I ask you that you accept it. That just as you promised, in your word, for whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. I ask you, God, that if anybody here wants to simply pray a prayer that is honest, not religious, just honest, asking you to be the Lord of their lives, that you would listen from heaven and write their names in the book of life, that they would never be alone ever again, that for all eternity, God, there will be no regret, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more fear. If you want to give Christ your life, I'm going to guide you in a prayer that you should be, it shouldn't be my prayer, it should be your own. Simply tell him, Jesus Christ, tonight I give you my life, I give you my heart. I ask you to forgive my sins. I accept you as God and Savior. Come into my life. Change me. Make me the person that you want me to be. I thank you for all you've done. I want to know you more. Help me.
let me pray for you. Dear God, I thank you once again for these people. I just ask you as so many people made choices for you and you've been so good and so kind that you blessed them, that you show time after time, miracle after miracle, that you show your grace and your kindness and your goodness. But even when they don't see it, Lord, that they would have the guts, the strength to remain faithful, to believe in you all the days of their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a round of applause, please. So...